0: Welcome to the Cultivate Podcast, where we explore what it means to be a follower of Jesus. John 20 verses 30 to 31 tells us that John records these signs so that we might believe. Jesus did so many things that to record them would fill the world with books but he gives special attention to these seven signs and so i believe that they should be important to us and as we look at the sixth sign today it is about sight it's about seeing both physically and spiritually i don't want to read the entire story If anyone's listening to this podcast, I'm sure that you haven't done anything bad enough that you would deserve to listen to me rattle on that long. But I do want to just mention the story. It's about a man that is born blind, and the disciples were wondering in verses 1 and 2 whether it was the man's sin or his parents that led to the disability. The same thought is reflected by the Pharisees in verse 34, and that they believed he was a sinner because he was born blind, and yet Jesus didn't agree with that. Jesus though was keen to heal the man, not because the man asked Jesus, not because he begged or pleaded, but because Jesus wanted to make a very clear point. His love for the man also led him to want to demonstrate to the disciples the difference between physical and spiritual blindness. See, when we're spiritually blind, we can compensate with our other senses. But when we're spiritually blind, there is no compensating factors. There are no other senses that come into play. When we're physically blind, we're unable to perceive the world as it is around us. When we're spiritually blind, we're unable to conceive the world around us as any different to our own construct. And so the story goes on to tell the story of how Jesus heals the man. He rubs some saliva into the mud, puts it on his eyes, and tells them to go to the pool of Solomon, where he'll be healed. The man does that, and when he comes back to the temple, the Pharisees are annoyed because Jesus is healed on the Sabbath and that he has broken Sabbath by setting someone free. They interview the man, they interview his parents, and then they bring the man back again. Eventually, they tell him to go away because he was born a sinner. They don't like his answers. (coughs) At that point, Jesus finds the man, confronts him with the truth of who he is, and leads him not just from physical blindness but from spiritual blindness into an eternal truth and the most significant eternal truth of all is to know who jesus is and to accept him as lord and savior i'm fascinated as to why jesus rubs some saliva and mud onto his eyes some Commentators have thought that perhaps it's a referral to the creation where Jesus actually creates new eyes for him because perhaps they aren't there. I don't know. I don't know either if it's because in Bible times saliva was believed to have such healing properties that it helped the man's faith. And Jesus did it not because he needed to, but because he thought that it may assist the man. I, I don't know. I know that he could speak and things were done, but I know that if Jesus did this, there was a purpose, and it was probably for those that were watching or the person that was healed. What's really interesting in this situation is that we see Jesus healing a man from darkness, And in doing so, he reveals the darkness in the hearts of the people that are spiritually blind. We can live in spiritual blindness because of ignorance, or because we're willfully and intentionally not wanting to take the truth. What's interesting is that as Jesus begins in this story, he defines himself first as the light of the world, and then later to the man as the Son of Man. I love the fact that Jesus is the light of the world. I love the fact that it is the one title that he shares with both himself and with us. It's a title that he used a number of times. And in fact, the preceding chapter, he was in the most public area of the temple with four giant gold candelabra where he proclaimed, I am the light of the world. Jesus didn't make that proclamation in some dark and dusty corner, but in a brightly lit temple. And here, again, he makes a proclamation that he is the light of the world. And we also are to be light. We are to be like a city on a hill that cannot be hid. And just as a side note, when we talk about being a city on a hill, that is not Jesus waxing lyrical. That is not Jesus taking poetic license. It is Jesus using a very carefully crafted idea that was so clear in the minds of people at this time. You see, a city on a hill was a place of safety. It was a place of sustenance. If you were out of the city, then you looked to a city on a hill as being a very strong, defensible position that provided you with safety. It provided you with safety from an enemy because you would be behind walls. The walls and the city contained food and also within a city was a secure water source. That's why cities were built where they were built. So inherently... When Jesus hearers heard this, they understood that a city on a hill was somewhere that they could be safe, somewhere they could go to for food and for water. So if you hungered or you thirst or you felt unsafe, you could go to somebody that demonstrated the light of Christ. The question is, are we demonstrating a Christ life and a Christ light that says to people, we are safe to come to, that they can come to us to be fed, and if they thirst, I sure hope so. I love the fact that Jesus was more interested in this man's healing than he was in being right. The Pharisees wanted to debate about whether whether Jesus was right to heal on the Sabbath. They would point to the Levitical law that said it was safe to actually do something if it was a matter of life and death. But they wouldn't have seen blindness as a matter of life or death. They would have seen Jesus as mixing mud and saliva, as work, and so therefore a breach of the Sabbath. What Jesus did was that he revealed the hearts of the Pharisees. One of the things I find so difficult is that when I read these stories, I see so much of my own life in the Pharisees. Am I more intent on being right than seeing people set free? Do I pursue an argument longer than I need to for the sake of being right? Do I go from person to person rather than going to Jesus to try and prove my point? The simple truth is that I know that sometimes I can be spiritually blind. It's not intentional. It's not willing. But we all have our blind spots. We all have our sacred cows. We have those parts that need to be illuminated. And that's the truth of being Christ being the light. Every light needs a power source. And our power source needs to be Jesus Christ. Every light needs to be kept clean. I can remember going on a um, holiday and we got a guided tour through a lighthouse, and they talked about how the keeper had to keep the areas clean because if there was a film, it could affect the light and that could cost lives. I'm so conscious of my own life that if I don't keep my life clean and free of sin, it may dull the light of Christ. And that may impact the lives of people that need to hear about Jesus. But I know that when I walk in the light, that I can walk safely and purposefully. Light is such a strong theme throughout the scriptures. We see it right at the beginning in Genesis. We see it as a reference to the law, to Torah, and to the word of God. We see it in Isaiah as a reference to Christ, the coming King. And yet as we get to the close of the chapter and Jesus finds the man, he identifies himself as the Son of Man. It's a title that Jesus uses probably most often of himself. In fact, it's used eighty one times in the New Testament in the Gospels, thirty times in Matthew, fourteen times in Mark, twenty five in Luke, and just twelve in John. Son of man isn't referring like it does in Psalms as the fact that Jesus was born of human origin. It's actually taken from Daniel 7 verses 13 to 14. And that talks about him being the judge of the nations. As being the king of the whole world. To say that he was a son of man was a statement that he was divine. You see that in Matthew 9, 6 and twenty twenty eight, And here the man knows that Jesus is the Son of Man and he believes. That is the point, is that we are restored by Jesus, not simply to have sight, not simply to gain insight, but to gain revelation that he is the Son of Man. He is the soon and coming King that he is the creator, he is the redeemer. And the most important issue for us to be clear on in our lives is that Jesus died for us, reigns in heaven and is coming again. If there is any one thing we need to get absolutely right, it is who Jesus is and what our response to him needs to be. I trust that that is something that is so clear in your mind that there is no blindness, there is no confusion. God bless. Thank you for joining the Cultivate podcast. If we can help you with anything or you'd like some notes, please email us at crosscultivation@gmail.com. God bless.